Welcome back to We Are Utah Podcast, where we bring you weekly episodes of the best in the Beehive State. Simply put, this is where we live. And this is where you stay connected. Stay connected. Because together, we are Utah. Utah. And now your hosts, Jordan Wheeler and Braden Floyd. What's up, Jordy? Welcome back, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Back to back. Back to back. We're here again. We're here again. Let's uh, jump into it. Yeah. All right. Okay, so I want to introduce our guest today. It is Nicolina Womack, and she is the founder of Future in Designs and also a manufacturing side, right, Nicolina? That's what up? Yes. Uh, find Manufacturing. Yes. Right? Future in Design, Fine Manufacturing, and Fine Creative. Yes. So Okay, so before we get into any deep questions, let's go ahead and discuss what, what it is that you do with your... It's because it's a nonprofit, right? Correct. So what is it that you do with this organization? So... Future in Design is the parent company, and we have two arms underneath it. We have Fine Manufacturing and Fine Creative. Both of them all focus on workforce development in under-recognized communities. So we take um, individuals that have great talents, great skills, and, and um, abilities, and we help them line up with um, well-paying entrepreneurship jobs and careers, um, either in the tech industry or in manufacturing. So what we're going to talk about today is fine manufacturing, which is the adult arm of our program. Nice. Okay. That's pretty interesting because you don't really put nonprofit and entrepreneur together, like in your mind, like how'd you get that idea? That is such a good observation. Because you're right, I think a lot of people don't, well, they didn't, but it's starting to, you're starting to hear a lot more of like that social entrepreneurship. I think that's starting to become a real buzzword, but really it's been, it's, the model's been around for quite a while. It's, I'd love to say I'm original, but there's nothing original about it. The reason I think about it is because my grandpa started a construction business and then Mm -hmm. I kind of pitched a nonprofit idea. He's like, oh, you don't want to do that. And so it kind of reminds me of that like a conflict from my grandpa so it might be personal but yeah i just i just found that interesting that you have a nonprofit promoting entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. Yeah. i think it's actually the key though we have this idea that poverty and inequality is some phenomenon but it's really not it's really just the way we've systematically set up our institutions, how some people can get ahead easier than others. And so nonprofits exist to be able to handle these systematic solutions and almost be that checks and balances for the things that our governmental institutions, you know, can't. And so we almost are, in a sense, kind of a band-aid to some of those gaps that we see. So... I think we'll get into... Oops, hang on. My phone's going off. Oh, jeez. You're a rookie today. Man, you got a, like, a really late wake-up time. Yeah. I'm jealous. Seriously, you going to sleep in that late? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll record uh-huh, it. That's what he says. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So I, I'm interested in hearing like how the business works and runs, but... I, I want to go back further. Like, what were you doing before this? How did this idea come yeah. about? And, and, like, almost give us a story of how this all started. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this might take up the entire time. Okay. Um, I will try to be as <laughs> brief as possible. <laughs> yeah, let's do another episode. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Brevity. Yeah. I've tried to, I tried to in the story and, and in my journey try to remember brevity. Uh, it doesn't always work, though. But I've been doing community development work uh, for a very long time. I actually started with Salt Lake County and um, under former Mayor Peter Caroon's administration. And I built this the first after-school programs that were focused on disenfranchised communities, so out in Kearns, West Valley, that west side area of Salt Lake. Yeah. So, Did you focus more on like, lower-income mm-hmm. or after-school yes. after Yes, we focused on after-school programming, but we did it in a very culturally responsive way. We we did focus groups with the young adults and said, what is it that that 
you guys need in order to create more safe communities for you to be more engaged in doing positive after school activities versus some of the challenges that they were having in the neighborhoods and a lot of loitering and violence that that was starting to happen down at the local library. And so we um, brought in graffiti art. We brought in, we brought, he's amazing. So if the Fear Factory, the same guy who did all of that graffiti, he's the one that was their teacher. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's amazing. He's literally world-renowned. That's awesome. And he was teaching these junior high kids. Kair Defstar. That's his tagging name. That's his tagging name. So, yeah, so we brought in, uh, we partnered with Spy Hop to bring in some of the very first um, multimedia workshops that were happening on the West Side. We brought in break dancing, salsa dancing, Polynesian dancing. Um, but with all of that, we also really added a huge community component. So, a lot of the students started doing things with me like um, collecting. Uh, household supplies for people who were um, struggling during certain areas or during holidays. And what we found was that when we got on their level, connected them to something that gave them some type of purpose, you know, all of a sudden you started seeing them show up to class. That's awesome. I had a teacher. I was 22, and I had this teacher at the school approach me and start screaming at me. Now, mind you, I'm like 22 and I was feisty, but I still was intimidated by, you know, these very successful educated educators. And she said, why is so-and-so in class? They haven't been here all year. And now what am I supposed to do with them? What am I supposed to do with them? The teacher was saying that? She's mad that she started attending class. And the only thing I could think of, because I was so shocked on so many levels, I was like, teach her yeah. like, that's your, literally all I could, yeah <laughs> that's all I could say but that same young woman is now a very successful nurse that's awesome um, in Washington it was one of the first of her family to actually be able to move out of state and when you're talking about like generational poverty and things just to be able to make that type of movement is huge yeah I mean it's breaking that's breaking chains yeah so fast forward so many interesting life experiences of myself, but I was also one of those kids. I went to West High. I grew up in Rose Park. I was a foster kid, um, semi-adopted kid, and, you know, but because I didn't have some of these pathways and access to these pathways and a, a family member to help show me and guide me, you know, I didn't really know what to do, but I got involved with a great organization here called the National Conference for Community and Justice. And we started doing amazing, we were doing, they were doing, running great camps in, um, around community building and breaking down prejudice and violence in your communities. And it just like grabbed onto my soul and just ran. I always tell my mentors now, I'm like, why couldn't you guys have been like brain surgeons or something? (laughs) (laughs) Why do we go for the lowest paying (laughs) passion here? Yeah. And, um, but you know, it grabs onto your soul. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like it was your calling. It sounds like you, yeah, we're the right person to do it. Yeah. So fast forward, I was getting ready to leave another job and I was actually going to leave nonprofit industry. And I said, and all of a sudden I got this email from one of my former students from the junior high after school program. This was in December of 2015. And he said, I'm in town. I'd love to see you and catch up. And I was shocked that he even remembered me. Last time I seen him, he was like 12. So I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. And it's just so funny because, like, time doesn't pass, you know, in those yep. situations. We sat down, and he went to order a, a beer, and I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm yeah. 23. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, right. You're 23. That's okay. Crazy. Whoa, I'm old. I was like, call up that Botox. <laughs> but um, he... He told me how much just that after-school program had molded his life. That's awesome. From junior high. Yeah. You know, I was like, you have lived so much experience between now, between junior high and 23, and that's something that you that you 
fill is what molded you into the and remember yeah. and and you feel like a lot of your character was built up around that do you remember specifically what his like what he was involved in yeah yeah what, he was, was he was he was actually too young to be in the program um his cousin his parents were um worked two different two jobs so no no one was was home a lot um but good parents but his cousin used to come to the program and he said could i have to go and grab my little cousin do you mind if i bring him and i'm like yeah just bring him that's fine it's a safe space yeah definitely bring him on over and he got really involved in um break dancing nice so that's awesome and they were they were they did amazing that's good it kind of reminds me of north davis because we both went to north davis yeah and it's one of the only Title I school, junior high schools in the state. And so I've coached basketball there. And it's harder, but it's also more rewarding. It's like the kids gravitate towards you more. Oh, yeah. And make more of a difference in their lives. But I always remember coaching basketball and the after-school program coming in. It's like, oh, man, but like we need our gym. But hearing a story like that, you know, it's, it's one kid that could – completely change their life yeah yeah and even when you said graffiti like i don't know i didn't have an interest in graffiti until i got to junior high yeah and i think you get around that type of atmosphere in the culture and i always had uh interest in like going out and just graffiti and trying it yeah yeah not for the rebel sense just like for the pure art form yeah so i mean some of them are so amazing Oh yeah, and and Utah itself, you guys could do a whole episode just on the culture, the hip hop culture of Utah that yeah. was was pretty big at one point, yeah. you know, and and it has so many benefits. Um, and the graffiti, you know, we just found things that would connect them to a creative purpose, to a social justice purpose, to a some type of purpose that would we can then connect them back to their academics and connect them back to their wanting to build their communities, become leaders. At the end of the day, it was all about teaching them how to become leaders. Yeah. So what, rewinding back to the story, you were looking yeah. at the job. He emails you and, and... Yeah. And we met up for, and he said, you know, I have a surprise for you. And I said, for me, he said, are you still working with young adults? And I said, well, that's kind of funny. I might be actually leaving and leaving the industry. There's just nothing here that works with young adults the way that I would love to work with young adults. Now, again, when you talked about your very first opening line, when you said nonprofit and entrepreneurship, if you would ever consider me an entrepreneur, (laughs) never, like ever. No, I would see that. I'd be like, wow, you are so cool and impressive. (laughs) Me, not even a, but now it's funny because I truly feel like I found my identity. I'm like, oh, that's why I do that. (laughs) That's why I do that, especially since we've been in this Goldman Sachs program together. Yeah, so this is another another one of my friends from the class that's joining us today. For anyone that wasn't that didn't know that. So I met the guy Smash it. He he did the class previously, and he's the one that got me into the class. Yep. And then Lydia, our previous guest, she was in it, and so yeah. Yeah. yeah, or is is in it with us? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Some so. really dynamic individuals. Are... It's awesome because it's such a mix of everything. Mm-hmm. And at first, like honestly, when I first did it, I was like, "Why are we meeting with so many different businesses that don't have anything to do with mine?" And now, like, I don't know why I was even thinking that because it was like light bulb by the end of the class. I'm like, "This makes so much sense." I'm learning so much from different organizations that I can implement into mine. And it totally makes sense to me now. So I sh- really shared that fair. I think I've even shared that in class and yeah. saying, I'm a nonprofit. My bottom line goal looks very different than yep. all of yours. Yep. But I'm so glad because I think that if more nonprofits did think about things as like entrepreneurs or as businesses, we'd find significant more sustainability in them. And that's where we're doing with like the manufacturing, yeah. you know, where we can build an actual revenue arm while doing good. So yeah. oh, we'll get there. And so yeah, what, <laughs> cutting you off, right? Well, no, so, yeah. it's good. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he, he presented something to you? Yeah. So he said, I have a surprise for you. And, um, he said a lot of the, a lot of the young people, um, are actually around right now for Christmas and we'd love to have a reunion. That's awesome. And I was like, 12 years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Christmas night, after everyone went and did their Christmas what thing, this was December 25th, 2015. Yeah. 
this just sounds fun, and yeah. I haven't even heard this. Story. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing is, is that whole group of students. Something that they did that was very remarkable is they, with all that creativity that they were doing, they actually put together a play and were the very first group from the West Side to ever perform on our Capitol Theater stage. Dang, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. They put in a, they call, the program was called Switch. And it was all about, like, how finding yourself cannot not only help you switch your own mindset, but switch everyone around you and your community. Was it recorded? It was. Can you watch it somewhere? Oh, my gosh. I would love to. <laughs> it's got to be on YouTube, right? Well, well, it isn't, but I should put oh, it on you YouTube. Oh, you should put it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah totally. Because I was thinking we could put a link into it. I have a DVD yeah. of it. I just don't know how to... Yeah. If you ever get it on YouTube, we'll email us back. We'll link it to the episode. Okay. Yeah. I will do that. Definitely. Maybe I'll have you guys show me how to get it up on YouTube. Does yeah. anyone have a DVD player to like? I know. Yeah. I, I do? Can figure it out. I have, okay. I don't all have right. a DVD player, but I got like Xbox and PlayStation, all of them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'll play it. Yeah. So anyways. Do, okay. Well, for, all right. Yeah. We'll do this. <laughs> Let's do this. So you went to this Christmas party. So they all came to my house. Oh, okay. Nice. And it was the most amazing experience I have ever had to see these young adults. How many? How many came? Um, I think like twelve. Nice. I think like twelve came, and those who didn't said, "Oh my gosh, I wish." And so I'm, I'm hoping to get another reunion with them, eventually. So they all came, and we have young people that are now like big real estate agents down in California. We have others that are started their own multicultural fraternities up at the U. Oh, nice. Um, we have so many that were just so successful. And these were all the kids that the teachers and everything had pretty much just written off. Yeah. You know, and they all credited what they were doing to some part of that after some part or someone of that after school program. So we had tons of great mentors in there and everything. That's got to be super rewarding. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was just you, know, especially in nonprofits, and in you know you hardly ever get to see what the long term outcome is. That's what I was going to say. Is you, when you were doing it, you probably felt like you were like, and you were. I'm not saying you weren't. You probably felt you were doing a great job. It was awesome. But at some point, those kids moved on past you. Yes. And you weren't sure what happened past then. I'm sure yes. you kept in contact with a few, but then to have them come back and be like this is where I'm at now in my life. And it was because of this program mm-hmm. that you made and that you were a part of yeah. did it. That's, that's rewarding as can be. That's awesome. It, it is. It was, it was beyond rewarding. And I was just so proud of them about how many, cause we always talk about, you know, if you understand the barriers that you're up against, you know, even the potential discrimination that you might be up against, most people think, Oh, they'll become a victim. But I've actually found, especially with young people is that, they know how to face it, and they don't sit there and think like, oh, so-and-so's out to get me. Am I crazy? They're like, no, this is a systematic issue, and I, need to, I know how to navigate this. And instead of like creating some type of victim mentality, they face it head on. Yeah. That's awesome. That's interesting because you think a lot of that comes from parents or you know, people that have experienced that, and then they project it onto our younger generation. And a lot of the time, they're... So, I don't know the right word, like, carefree almost, or um, open to new ideas that they, that's not the issue that they're dealing with at all, it's something totally different. Right, or we evolve and it looks different. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, so many things, when we talk about, like, systematic oppression and things, from their parents and their grandparents, they would say it's almost easier because they knew where they could go, and when they knew where they couldn't go. Right. There was literal signs, (laughs) but now it's, it was, it's a lot more insidious. So it's harder because you're thinking like, am I crazy? Am I, am I crazy? Or is this really happening? And it's really hard to be able to tell the difference. The first thing that comes to my mind, me and my wife are watching a show on Showtime called Couples Therapy. Uh Uh, It's done really well, but there's a black guy on there and it was during the whole George Floyd thing. Right. one thing he mentioned was, you know, sometimes when walking behind certain people, I'll slow down just so they think that I won't love them. Right. Like, and, and he had no intention. He's just like, I don't want them to feel that because he was a black man. So it's, it, it opens your eyes to, like, things that, you know, certain people don't even think of, like, if that's going through their mind. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, they're not racist or have bad intentions or anything, but they're they're worried about just making people feel comfortable. Right. And it's it's a huge. It's crazy and scary, and, and yeah. it sucks. Yeah. The best analogy that I've ever heard or riddle is one fish swims to another fish, and he says, hey, man, what's it like to be wet? And the other fish says, I don't know. I'm always wet. Yeah. So it's when we talk about, like, those privileges and things or those areas where we don't have to think about it. I, I mean, that's something. I, I am always thinking about those things. But what you just brought up, I've never had to walk down the street. Have any of you had to walk nope. down the street and think about, if I'm this close to a person, maybe they'll have some type of view of me or either put myself or somebody else in danger just by the mere proximity. You know? See, and I think that's something that is changing really well with the, with the new generation and, and current yes. people now. Like, people are trying to put themselves in other people's shoes. And that's where I think you're seeing, I mean, we still have a long way to go, but I think that's oh, where yeah. you're seeing a lot of the change in the world is that people are now looking at it and, like, you'll hear those stories like George just gave an example of. And then it clicks. I'm like, okay, I need to, yeah. Like, why, why does that person feel like they need to think that way? How do we get, how do we stop that, you know? Yeah. Like, and what is it about me and my presence that makes somebody else yes. feel that way? What yep. is it, what do I come with that I haven't had to think about that makes somebody yep. have to question their own existence yeah. um, within my paradigm? Yeah. You know? Like, you're, you're so right on. I think this new generation... Their level of empathy yep. is amazing. Yeah, and like you think of things like cancel culture, right? And you think of right. those like, and there's definitely a level of too far, but it's it's. I think it's opening everyone's eyes. Like you can't keep thinking and doing these certain things, and we need to have some empathy for others and have empathy right. for how their life is is living, and and pay attention to those and let's make the change and get away from these problems right. as fast as we can run, right? So you know, I know we have a long, long way to go, but it's it's inspiring to see that, and it's inspiring that you're a part of this organization and, and doing all these things and helping these young kids and everything. So well, thank you. Yeah. I we love it. So let's get in. Like, what what if you were to explain your nonprofit? Like, what's the most interesting or or thing that you wish the general public knew? Is it the manufacturing side? Is it, is it the after school? Like, what is exciting you most about your nonprofit? That is such a great question. Um, I feel like I wish people could see the change that I see in individuals in the way that they think about themselves. You know, with my manufacturing nonprofit, I brag about them all the time. We had this lady who had been without utilities, water, power, gas, for a, a pretty indefinite amount of time and she had psoriasis already on top of that so imagine those compounding yeah so her whole body yeah was just broken out um but we got her in and got her working and um she's such a beautiful soul such a bright light to everyone she's always smiling always trying to think those see the best in everybody you know she's even you know, really helped me when I've been pretty stressed out. You know, hey, Nick, come on, let's go take a walk. And I'm like, okay. Um, She came up to our director and said, you know, now that I am two months ahead on my rent and all my bills, do you think that means I can own a house? And I, you, you hear that and it just takes your breath away. You're just like, okay, we're doing something. Yeah. You know, we have another lady who um, had such bad social anxiety from how abusive, like, her family and her marriage was. And she couldn't even talk to anyone. You know, even coming in to come out to our program, she sat in her car for, like, 45 minutes. Dang. She's now, like, one of our premier leaders. That's awesome. And, and plant managers. You know, we have another lady who lost her, who had her son taken away because of drugs. Um, she has her son back full time. She's running pretty much our entire cutting department. Um, she's 
an amazing mother. I watch how she is with this little boy, and it's just amazing. And she's now an advocate for other parents who are dealing with substance abuse and also have child and protective services cases. I mean, these are when you and and they're leaders, they're leaders in our company and they care and they they like give a crap, you know, and these are the same people that I had said at a business summit and this employer said to me, well, we're in Price, Utah. We know everybody. We know everyone and we know about them. And I said, no, you're, you're suffering there from a, the, what's called the fundamental attribution error, which is you think you know that person. Yeah. You know that person based on a certain moment, a certain time, dealing with a certain yep. st- level of stressors. You don't know them. Yeah. You don't know what they're capable of. We don't know what any of us are capable of. And a lot of times, a lot of us probably would caught, get caught for some of the same dumb crap yep. had we, you know... But maybe we either got lucky or we had someone to bail us out. Not all these people did. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't, that they don't have some of the most amazing skill sets. You want to see some of the best entrepreneurs? Go to the hood. Well, yeah, because they've been through hard stuff. And I I always think of, like, 50 Cent, where he's like, you know, I've been shot at and lived through being shot at. So what else could be worse? Shot nine times. Yeah, shot nine times. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. But as you speak, the first word that comes to my mind is change. Yeah. And, and like I have family that is in, has been in similar situations, drugs problems, kids taken away, and change is hard. Yeah. So hard. And everyone's really first hard. result is always like, you can't change. People don't yeah, change. Yeah, people don't change. Right. And I'm like, that's not true. I hate that. Yeah. And that's yeah. always like when you hear people say first. And you're like, yeah. dude, whatever. You yeah. Know? Don't talk to me. You don't know. <laughs> well, and, and it's like, no, you don't change. Yeah, you don't change. Exactly. You don't change. Exactly. Right. Yep. I speak to it because I've changed a lot. Yeah. You've known this. Yeah. In the last six years, you know, yeah. from drugs to clean. And so I guess my question for you is being in this and experiencing it so much, what is the, the fundamental thing with change like what what's the common thread that you see with these people on how they're able to change support from from anyone that will give them support they need that someone that will give them that constant belief that you can better you are better you can do better if somebody just sees that in them and tells them i see you and i see this in you that's all they need you give them that bit of access um showing them the new way and you would be surprised. I, you know, I saw it once when I was in school, this quote on the wall and it, it's burned in my brain, but you know, teach somebody as they are and that's what they'll always be, but te- treat somebody as they could be and that's what they'll become. It, that's hard to, I think we, we make such quick snap judgments on people. Yeah. And, like the teachers, right? Yeah. And, my wife's a teacher, so you have 30 kids in there, and you're trying to control all of them. And so it's almost like a natural reaction, like, okay, I can't spend time here because my time's better suited here. But how do you do that as a person to see someone at what they could be? Like, it's a hard, it's a skill, and so, like, how, how do you develop that? Brayden hit it right on the head. It's just empathy. Yeah. It yeah. really boils down to empathy. You know, put yourself in their shoes. Like, as your wife is a teacher, right? I used to think that I had severe learning disabilities or something. But I didn't. You cannot pay attention in class if you were worried about where your next meal is coming from. If you just got from an ass beating. Sorry, is there something no, here? No, we're totally good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Is there like it is. Be yourself. Like Be yourself. It is. Okay. Yeah. You know, or you're getting ready to go into the hall of a really violent school to maybe get another ass beating. Yeah. You know, how do you fully immerse yourself in education? So for myself, my time with Goldman Sachs is the first time I've been in school my entire life that it's like that it's been a positive, safe learning environment that I've been able to just sit and absorb and not have to worry about everything. Because I went from being in school and being in a really violent home and a pretty violent school to 
being a single mom, working three jobs and going to college full time and having my son just sit right outside the classroom and hoping, you know, that he'll just stay together, whatever, occupied so I can get through this class, you know. So, and, and it's funny because I say these things, but then I get to experience them again and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm enjoying so much that I'm learning because I'm in a safe, I'm, I'm, all my needs are met and I'm safe. I can learn. It's so true. This is, this is a ridiculous example, but it's so true to that, to that point where, like, I just challenge anyone when you're starving, see how well you do at anything. Like, if you're hungry, right? So if you've got kids in there that aren't getting the meals the night before or breakfast, yeah. And then you're expecting them to do so much, like learn I guess, algebra. Yeah, you're expecting no. like no. And so, playing off just that one example, that I just like myself challenge myself to miss miss two meals, and I don't get to eat till dinner. I am worthless, man. Not saying I'm worthless. I am drained and not paying attention and not doing it. And so, yeah, and hangry, right? You're just hangry, and you get you get grumpy, grumpy, and like, mean, yeah. and then you so know. And what do we do with yeah. these kids? We send them to the principal's office. Yeah, and there's much worse stuff that you gave examples of. If they're you know they're having an abusive home, all those, yeah. right? But for the everyday person that doesn't have all all of those issues, like just challenge yourself not but to eat, and then tell insecurity. me that you expect. Yeah, or proper, yeah, or a proper yeah. roof over your head, right. you know, because you have a, like I so I, I, I my parents are divorced. I didn't live with my dad; lived with my mom, and my mom did a fantastic job raising us. But we were moving all the time, right? And it wasn't like it was a bad thing, but it was like it was cheaper to move here, or it was better to move here, or finally she was doing well enough that we got a little bit of a bigger house and right. moving around. Right. And that instability, just and that's not something I'm complaining about. Like, that little bit of instability, I can definitely see how that played a little bit in my life. So to have it ten times tenfold worse than that. Oh yeah. Can make things very very hard for kids, and so yeah, me I'm just yeah. When I was coaching, because like you know, coaches will get on you if you're not performing, and so it's, everything's fast when you're at practice doing sports, and so you know, we got on this kid. Come on, but like, yeah. what's going on? And like, he just wasn't responding, and so we eventually pulled him to the side and said, like, "Are you okay?" And he's just like, "I'm hungry." Yeah. And yeah. It's just like yeah. And it, like, hits you like a ton of bricks, like, holy cow, like, I'm yelling at this kid to, like, pick it up, and then you find out the real problem, and, like, you know, those lower-income schools, that's a common yeah. thing. Yep. Like, they go mm-hmm. home, and their parents are in there. Yeah. And they have to babysit their, their, their siblings, brother and sister, and they're, like, 10 years old, and yeah. then they have to cook dinner for them, and so it... it it opens your eyes a lot. Like, my wife had a higher income school. I'm at a lower. And I would just say, like, I, I, it's harder. But I'd much rather be at a lower income school just because it's, like, the story I just told you. It's like, oh, right. well, I can bring you food. You know, like, right. What, what do you yeah, need? I can help where I can help. Yeah. It's almost like something so simple but means so much to those kids. Makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah. So on your... Okay, so with your new one, you're now, you're now helping... More adults than you are children, right, with this new organization that you're kind of going So we're doing both. Both, okay. So we have the Young Adult Program that helps young adults get into the tech industry. Okay, awesome. um, And we're teaching them how to do coding and design, but we actually do it with a social justice lens. So we're like, if you were a woman and you were in charge of building Google for the first time, would Google look different? Oh, Okay. You know, how that's cool. How yeah. would it look? Yeah. What would Facebook look like if it was built from a person of color's point of view? Yeah. So we have them think about these design things. Yeah. <laughs> so we have them think through these like design and technology um, scenarios and then have them start to learn the skills to build their own and build their own portfolios. Yeah. Then the adult side is the manufacturing where we're working with rural communities, specifically right now in Price, Utah. Uh we're taking them to actually learn how to start their own micro factories. Yeah. This is where we first, when I very first had a conversation with you and it got me really excited because by no means am I trying to have a political show, but it's like every, you know, you always hear (laughs) that things are going overseas and jobs are going overseas. And then like we're getting, now we're focusing on greener everything and we're losing manufacturing and we're losing coal, which I'm not saying that's all bad or good or whatever, but it's, you're focusing on now 
instead of pushing stuff overseas, you're helping build something in these communities where they might be used to being like coal, like coal yeah. workers, right? That's what I think you gave the example of in price. Exactly. To where now they're going to manufacturing of what are you pushing? Um, right now we're starting. Or? So when I did my research, um, well, first I kind of inherited the manufacturing part, but when I looked into it to try to validate it, all of our each country that is an economic superpower, they actually started with cut and sew manufacturing. Really? Mm-hmm. And then after they established themselves, they moved up the value chain yeah. into all the other high levels of manufacturing, car manufacturing, all the other. And so we actually have started with cut and sew manufacturing because there's really low barriers to entry. You know, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 gets you a good setup to yeah. go. You know, and then we can move into things. We have other partners that are moving into things like 3D printing. Yeah. So things that we can actually start a localized supply chain. Yeah. And I don't want to get political either. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's always, yeah. <laughs> but I would say, scientifically speaking, which apparently that term is political now too. So we can't yeah. win, guys. We yeah. just can't win. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. We, we, it's tough. We can't It's always win. time to pick your words. <laughs> I know. You, and all the words get... Yeah, exactly. ...become controversial. Yep. So you're just like, we're yep. going to all start like having to talk like Charlie Brown's teacher. Just yeah. To, you know, wah, wah. <laughs> um, you can't be green and move production overseas. Right. And I'm going to tell you why. One, 20% of our water's pollution comes from cargo ships. Yeah. And I remember we were talking about that. Right? Yeah, yeah we Because it's were. like the equivalent of one cargo ship is like 600,000 cars on the freeway. Or something, or 6,000 exactly. cars. Something like that. No, she just saying. I'm not here no. to. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm not no, here. No, my, no. Please, I, I, no, no, I get what you're. I, I not confirm nor yeah. deny these allegations. <laughs> yeah, but I think if you, uh, I'll, I'll take this one on. So I think that if things were, basically, like right now, yes, you're ordering everything from another country. It's coming over in a ship, and the amount of every, every little bit of work to get that done and bring it over, is a lot, a lot against the green movement. It right? is it's a, a ton huge impact. Where you can do things locally internally, and then also think about all the stuff that you can cover on your products if they're made in made at home. So, for example, yes. you have a textile mill that's making shirts and stuff like that for everybody. How much more can you control? You can control the waste. You yes. can control where it's going. You can yeah. do so much more to make a small little production a lot greener than the giant one from across the country that you have no control and no clue what they're doing unless you visit, right? So hopefully no, that... You hit it right on the head. I mean... Right. Just the mere fact of just trying to move the product itself from point A to point B. But the amount of product that you actually have to make to make it worthwhile to move that big of a distance. Yeah. And our other second biggest form of waste is apparel waste. Yep. So every single thing that you and I are wearing, right? Maybe, I don't know about yours, but yours is a special made. But, um, but... Only 20% of what actually goes on the shelf to be sold is, is sold through. The rest of it either ends up deeply discounted or in a landfill. And that comes out of a World Bank report. So only 20% of what is made is actually sold. That's so crazy. That's like when you think about food, too, and they have those statistics about, like, food that's made, how much is eaten, and it's, like, it's like the same numbers. It's, like, what happens, and then everyone wants to know why, why our planet's getting covered in garbage, and it's, like, we need to slow down and look at these things. Right. And how can you make it, I, in my opinion, it's how can you make it all happen in your community. Right. Right? As much of as, as possible, and how much can you control of the waste and the after point right. of that. Right. So think about like, yeah, same with agriculture is the same with, with manufacturing with like textile or soft good manufacturing, right? If you can actually make it closer to the consumer, yep. you are, the cost is, is uh, overall is, it's pretty much a tie, you know, from going. And I read in this marketing um, report from Qualtrics that said, Four in five consumers want to know where they're... Four out of five. Four out of five. It just came out in the Qualtrics marketing report. Want to understand what sustainability measures, the product they're engaging with, whether that's food or whatever. Yep. And that goes to like what we were talking about with with Lydia when we were talking earlier. It's it's the brand management. It's people want to follow the companies that they like and they want to know what's going on. 
Yeah. Like yeah. they want to know, are your employees taken care of? They want to see that stuff. They want to make sure that your stuff is coming from, from a place that's focusing on making things better um, for the world. And so I think, yeah, like they want to know those, that stuff and that creates that brand loyalty even more. So for those people, so sorry. sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm done. Let's yeah. dig into what are you trying to do with, the, with all this information and these numbers? What, yeah. What's your goal, your vision. Yeah. So again, back to nonprofits and entrepreneurship not being mutually exclusive, right? Um, I don't think. And my brother would kill me because he just thinks the word capitalism in itself is inherently evil, but I. I think you can leverage capitalism and social justice to, I don't think they, people treat them, again, our political spectrum have sensationalized them to where they, they make people think they sit on these opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum, right? But I think the true solution is leveraging them each for each other. Oh, I can agree with that. And I think that, I think for, I think most folks, we, we're able to see down the middle and we're able to pick what, what works from both sides. Exactly. The new, you watch the news, yeah, you watch CNN, you're going to get upset. You watch Fox, you're going to get upset, blah, blah, blah. That's their job is to get you to watch that, right? Right. But I think if you can take a step back, look down the middle, and see that, yeah, let's combine a little bit of this, and we can probably have a much better result throughout the entire country and, and everything from there. So. Exactly. It's yeah. not, like you said, it's not about being green or coal. Yeah. It's, if we didn't have coal, we wouldn't be, ex- the we lights wouldn't wouldn't be, be benefiting all the things that we've benefited from today. Right. Now, does it is it still going to work going into this next phase of our evolution? No, nope. it's not, and so that's okay. We but we still have to make sure that the legacy of all the individuals that literally laid down their lives, yeah. you know, the death rates in coal. Just sorry, as an offshoot in coal mining is insane. I believe you know, they want to talk about some pioneers that should be celebrated and lifted. You need to talk about those coal miners yeah. that from 1864 on, you know, they lit up this entire area and we yep. benefit from that. Yep. So we can't, I don't believe in being like, oh, this is, this is horrible. And this is, this is not horrible. Um, when we get into those type of dichotomies, we're shutting ourselves off. Yeah. We're totally ruining our opportunity for true dialogue. Yep. I, mine is always, I can recognize the bad and I can understand it. And right. no, but my other thing is always like, how do we, okay, how do we move forward? We can't change the past. It is what it is, but we can definitely change it going forward. Right. And it goes back to our previous conversation with social justice and changing things in the mindset. And then I think it also goes back to, yeah, coal and stuff was around forever. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know if we knew better. I'm sure somebody will tell me that we did, but it turned the lights on. We all kept, we all were able to eat. We kept it warm. It was but cheap. But now let's kept move on. Kept people moving. Yeah. We evolved as yep. humanity. We're, we're benefiting of all the technologies yeah. that we have today. And I'm all for switching to green. You, know? you want to switch yeah. to solar and wind? Let's do it. But it's not an overnight. I mean, it could be if you wanted to be crazy about it, but it's, it's not. It doesn't work that way. And I think that these steps like that you're doing right here will... Will benefit that's our goal that's our goal is to really leverage that and and understand again that like poverty is not really a phenomenon you know it can be solved yeah. we can yep. address it yep um are we willing to though are we willing to be able to take the good parts of capitalism take the good parts of social justice and leverage them to work together you know take somebody who's like what we have i think the perfect example oh i'm sorry my that's okay fell. <laughs> Thanks. Um, can we, uh, our, at our job, at our, our factory, we're also trying to hire like a full-time social worker because, you know, we know that in talking with people who do therapy, they always tell me like, oh man, I wish we could offer them a job. How nice would that be? And so our thought is, is like, well, let's offer them therapy. Yeah. And ability to work through those barriers, you know, while we're making sure financially that they're able to contribute to their households. See, it's just little steps like that um, can make significant differences. So I had a question. Okay, so then I got a question. So you're helping folks in need and helping them figure out how to get to certain certain jobs that are going to benefit their lives and things, right? And help them, help them socially as well. But like, what if I'm a coal miner and I can see the line in the sand? Are you my contact when I'm like, I need, I can see the line in the sand. I know it's going away. I need to move on to something else. Like, do you guys offer training? Not, I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying if like, if I'm just that person, 
our goal is to get there. That's where we're trying to go. What we're trying to do right now is we're trying to line up enough projects yeah. and get a lot of these companies like Nike, Patagonia, all of them to put their work where their yeah. corporate responsibility mouth is and say, you know, let's let's do Cotopaxi. You know, they talk they talk a lot about being um, environmentally friendly and stuff like that. Well, then they should be manufacturing all of their goods here. Yeah. Here in Utah, local. Yeah. That's really, my mind's really but So I guess the first thing I want to ask, because Price, Utah, was a big coal mining. Like, was the, Canyon, yeah. Right? And we just, I just went there this weekend, got a house under contract, but we went back and it doesn't look like it's still there. Is it? The one that's right in the canyon? Yeah. No, it's not there anymore. So I, in meeting with the mayor, I, I learned something really interesting is that power plants have a 50, a, like a dead on 50 year lifespan. Hmm. So as that. soon as I know, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that either until last week. So the power plant he's at right now is like dead on number 50 year. And so at that point, everything kind of becomes, goes in the air, but usually they shut everything down. They, um, destroy take everything else you know i'm not exactly sure but i think a lot of it's just the well okay so my the infrastructure of it the metal and all the things that you're using starts to break down pretty bad gotcha so well that was another question because you're you're getting into um, say say the word again in price what are you trying to do is it textile textile oh yeah soft good Soft good manufacturing. It was like cut and sew. Yeah, That's cut and yeah. sew, soft goods. So for like outdoor gear. Okay, so the coal and all that stuff, you're not trying to focus on that in price because it's basically dead. I mean, it's not fully dead, but the entry points where they're mining is in price, but price itself is not benefiting from any mining because where they're actually mining is in other counties. Oh, okay. So absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. it did. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They they are consistently dealing with the deficit. So that's probably where you're running into folks that are in trouble. Yes, right? yes. They probably weren't prepared for that swap. No, and so that's they where weren't. you guys are coming in. And so that's why things. we're trying to. We see this coming down the line, and that's why we're you know trying desperately to do a lot of business development to get huge amount of product and find big big contracts to move in, so we can start getting people up and trained and running. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I guess I'm kind of interested from a personal aspect of real estate. What do you see price becoming? Because if I went to school there, college, back when I was CU. Yeah. And it's now Utah, Utah State Utah Eastern. State, but it feels like it's growing. I mean, it is. 12 years ago, there's so many more buildings. So, like, and the people that I help get a house, they still want to be close enough to Salt Lake and Provo area for yeah. family, but they can't afford anything there, so that's why yeah. here. So, so what are your thoughts on the real estate agent in Price, um, the way that she explained it, and it makes perfect sense to me, is, is that all the Californians are coming in, all the Utah County folks are selling their house for cash, yeah. and then they're going to Price because they're a little bit out, especially now that we have the work from home and paying options cash. Like and paying cash. Yeah. So these houses in price that are literally need to be taken to the studs are like 400,000. I mean, you can get a McMansion right now for 300,000 in upstate New York, you know, and in price, Utah. And I look inside these houses and they haven't been touched since the seventies. Yeah. And I'm like, but it's just, it's, it's just, yeah, that's a, that it's effect. That, it's just like, yeah. Yeah. I'll, like, oh, I'll sell and get a bunch of cash that here. Fall and then I'll over, go buy I guess. cash here. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I think, I feel, when I first got into real estate, like I said, you know, all this is coming to Ogden and you see it with the flips. And oh, yeah. Ogden is insane. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. The, the Salt Lake's brutal. Houses are just like, yeah, <laughs> you're seeing the house. Yeah, because like when you're born and raised here, I love Ogden to death. When you're born and raised here, there was definitely a stigma around Ogden there most was. of my life. Yes, there and was. And now it's definitely well, changed. Still people, I get clients where they're like, anything but Ogden. It's like, 
Huge. Some cool houses. Yeah. There. How, yeah. Oh, there's way cool and houses the there. Thing. I mean, and it was the center of our railroad. Yeah, exactly. Development. It has a ton of history, just like there's yes. so much yep. history there. Yep. But it's interesting that you say that people from Utah County, because we're not down there as much, are starting to flood the price. I mean, that's not. It's not the first county you think of people going from Utah County to Price. It's yeah. Maybe south too, but yeah, I, I just. Well, because it was cheap real yeah. estate. Yeah. It's not now, but it was. Well, yeah, and we, I mean, the house we got under a contract, I literally told my clients, like, if you don't buy this, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder which house it was. You're going to have to show me because I stock the. Wellington. So was it the I'm blue one? Street. Yep. Yeah. I, told, I stock <laughs> the thing every single, That's like, awesome. day. <laughs> yeah. So trying to buy it too? No, I'm trying to decide when I want. I actually kind of want to do, you know, those, like, um, it's called from Shed Co. or Unshed Co. I kind of want to do a fourplex that's in one of those, like, one of those cool type houses. Yeah. I kind of want to do a fourplex down there that I can rent out yep. and Airbnb. Because Price doesn't have, like, some kind of cool, attractive kind of, like, getaway type things yeah, like that. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to send him off on a rocker now. I to talk to my wife because, anyways, there's, well. Because Jamie wants. That I want to Airbnb. In Price? I wonder which one it is. You'll have to tell me. So she's like, who wants to come to Price? No, the Airbnbs do pretty well down there. Yeah, and I said there's no hotels. Like I have there. one that I, that I stay in that I love, and it's the nicest one. Which one is it? Because we were just looking at um, the city, The Angels one? Yeah. Yeah, so she does 120 a night. Dang. She does good. Dang. Yeah, That's and it's crazy. booked. Like, usually I stay there, and I couldn't because it's been booked. It was booked from January to March. Well, because there's not the, the Full price. That's awesome. Right? <laughs> and it, there's the Holiday Inn, and then there's the Ramada. One, for this weekend, one night, 180, and it's like, uh, no. The so weekends? What, so, so what's interesting about the Holiday, because the Holiday and the hotels down there, is it's actually more expensive during the week than it is on the weekends. That's so weird. Okay, so you got to feel Because feel, you have all the people from the power, power plants coming in to work. Uh, okay. So the demand is higher. Wow. Yeah, it's, that's, I, I guess I'm asking all the questions, but I'm interested in the price market after getting this house in the contract. It kind of yeah. opened my eyes to the opportunity. You, you, know, you know what needs some great development and has, is like, perfect for flipping if you really want to? Yeah. Um, East Carbon. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think there's a lot of low-income individuals, and you could get great Section 8 housing, you know, and which guarantees... Renters. Renters. Right Guarantees renters. I go every other week. Except when I've been in class. So I've are you based out of here or do you live are you based or do you live down in Price? I'm fifty fifty. I don't feel based anywhere anymore. No. <laughs> I don't feel based anywhere anymore. Well, I still feel based here a little bit until I figure out my living situation, but I'm starting to look at land down there because you know like the live modal things? Like the one at City Creek or like the, the shed houses. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the, like the storage unit houses? Is that what you're talking about? Kind, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm thinking about building like a fourplex of one down See, there. We're, we're picking let's each see, other's brains on that. on that. Yeah. I'm really interested in doing that. <laughs> really? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I'm like, I've got to be down here. I might as well rent this out. Right. And I found a really great um, brand that I like. And so... See, that's what, like, when I look at it, when I look at the state now, I, th- I think that all the time where I'm like, we should just buy a piece of land somewhere. Because, so, in one of the communities that haven't quite taken off yet or aren't taking off as much. Yeah, it's funny. I there's think there's no choice at some point for um, the Utahns yeah. that want to stay in Utah. Yeah, yeah. They got to find somewhere if they, if they sell their house for cash because it's just getting crazy. Like, Salt Lake is insanely expensive. Ogden's on its way up. Davis County, yeesh. Oh, and the air, the air's so much better down yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, everyone's like, the inversion sucks. And I'm like, it does? Yeah. It looks great over here. <laughs> it's blue skies. Well, it's not that awesome. bad of a drive now. They've really developed that highway. Because it used to be one of the deadliest highways, I believe, in the country. It was number one. In the country? In the country. It's now number five. What is it? Like, people fall asleep on it or what? No, everything is trying to kill you in that canyon, Uh, from boulders to deer to other drivers. Okay, I've been through this canyon. I think it was, wasn't it just a winter? Yes. Oh, I just, that storm we had last week, when I left class early, I had to drive through that. Was it bad over there? Oh, I, I, there was a truck that I came upon that was like this. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
And I was like, I'm so glad that they let me leave early. Yeah. Because it would have how been. much the storms can hit those areas because they're further south. We were driving back one day and went through that area, and we got hit by a storm. And my wife, Subaru, we pulled over. Because I'm like, dude, we're flying, we're sliding off the road. And we had to pull yeah. over, and it was oh, yeah. so heavy. It is. Yeah. Well, and, and I feel like win. there's yeah. that one part of the canyon down there that has, like, its own climate. Yes. Like, it just turns before on when it, it wants to. <laughs> it, yeah. Before it, it's doing its own thing. And then after it, it's doing another thing. And just right in that middle, you just you have no idea what you're what you're going yep. to experience. The last time I was there, I got caught. It was when they had that giant fire going through. I yes. Three years ago, four years ago. It was 18. I think it was 2018. Yes. And we took our trailer down to this big, crazy gun show way down there that we it took us forever to get down there. And on our way back, we drove through the burn on the way in. I didn't, I should have thought about it. Didn't even think about it. Heading on our way back, canyons closed. I had to go all the way around through to get to home. Shane. Through to Shane, yep. Because it was like, you're I not was the last here. person out of that canyon. On that one? Really? That's so crazy. As soon as I went in, I saw all the UHP going in. Yeah. I was on my way out. I saw all the UHP going in. I yep. was like, oh, We were driving through it. And I was smoke lucky. everywhere. We're breathing it in. And I'm like, this is bad. I don't know. And I should have just been like, we probably should cancel because I don't think we're getting home. And sure enough. It was the weirdest thing to drive through. Like, it was it, yeah. like I went in. It was like 10 a.m. on a bright, sunny day. And yep. then all of a sudden, it looked like it night. Like gray and it was night. like gray yeah. and night. Yeah. It was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good episode. I hope you I can like, like edit this yeah. out. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. So, it feels like we haven't been talking very long, but we're almost out of time. Um, we appreciate you coming in. Definitely. This has been always, so fun. Yeah. We, we learn a lot, and I think this is the most empathetic podcast we've had. I think so, too. Hey. I, I, love the, I love what you're doing for people, one, and, and as we talk to to you, you it, it, I had the thought like you're like an angel. Oh my um, gosh! Don't say that. Like, like that might be a little dramatic, but like <laughs> seriously, like one that has a really bad potty mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what you can do for other people, like I can only imagine. We've only talked about a small sliver. Of it. Yeah, we probably got four more episodes but, with her. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can just you get the idea of what you've done for other people. Oh, thank you. We need more of that. Yeah, I think everyone can do it. Yeah. Not just you can do it. You can do it. It's all about just like how you treat people in the grocery line. You know, how do you before you go to judge somebody? And I'm the worst when it comes to road rage. <laughs> I'm bad too. I'm yeah. so bad at road rage. But one one of the, this book I was reading said if you can't have empathy on the road when somebody cuts you off, you can't do anything. Yeah. You can't help anybody. Yeah. And I was like. Man. That's bad because yeah, I'm really bad on the road. My son once actually he swore when he was really little. He said a swear word, and um, somebody was like, "Well, where do you where did you learn these swear words or something?" He's like, "Well, the only time I hear mommy swears when she's driving." <laughs> oh, no. My bad. Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> but it's just something we can all do, and really, it's just about putting yourself in someone else's shoes, yep. taking two seconds to understand what they might be going through you know and you don't necessarily have to agree with it but i think switching it and seeing what it's like to experience a challenge from their eyes what barriers they might be facing i think it changes it can change everything yeah definitely well well yeah so so my thought is people wanting to reach out to you and help you with what you're doing. Please, yes. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook. We're changing our phone system right now, so I don't have, but I will give you my email. It's Nicolina, N I C H O L I N A W. Great. Yes, at futureindesign.org. Uh, we're looking for great contracts right now. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like we don't even, I mean, we'll always take your donations. That's, <laughs> But we want the work more than the donations. Our people want to work, and we have a waiting list of people that would love to be hired. That's awesome. You know, everyone else is having struggles with having employees during this great resignation. Yeah. I don't have that problem. I have the pro. I need the work. So um, help us get some big brands in there. Yeah, We'd be so grateful. 
Definitely. Yeah, they, it's always fun to sit down with people and talk like this and connect. And yeah. seriously, like you need something to, you need to shoot something <laughs> out. Thank yeah. you. Okay. All right. I feel like, like you said, we could do another four. Yeah, I think we've got a lot. It always kind of feels like that. Like yeah. You get in and then right when you're getting the good stuff, you have to end the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, anything you need. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Come down. Come down and see us. Yeah, I'd come, love to. Come yeah, do the podcast yeah. down there. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll do the second episode and, and let's go look uh, look at some spots, right? <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, take the we'll bring some of the the mayor down. He's a great he's a great guy. He loves to brag about price. That'd be awesome. And we can even bring one of the real estate agents. Yeah. she's she's an awesome lady That'd too. Yeah, talk oh my about the canyon. We'll just do one just about that canyon. Yeah. That's awesome. Just about the yeah. canyon. Make sure, make sure you have the beeper ready yeah. for all. We just talked about how we all have horrible road rage, and you want to go do yeah. a podcast on a car. <laughs> it would be. That'd be our most views. People would be laughing like I do the same thing. Yeah, right. So. Well, if all you guys right. Are listening? Want to be on the podcast or want to get in touch with any one that has been on the podcast, including today's guest? Uh, everything should be in the description. Me and Braden's info will be down there too, so reach out and we'd love to meet you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Appreciate you having the show. Thank you so much. No worries.